copying someone else or taking too much inspiration from someone else, you're always going to be that little bit behind. But you have something to say. Like you have something that's fresh in you, so you should say it. It's a lot, isn't it? Hello and welcome to It's A Lot with Abby Chatfield. I'm in a really good mood today. Um, so, oh, 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 sorry, my phone just went off. But we're going to keep going because the energy was so good. I'm not going to start recording again. Also, I'm moving house tomorrow. Um, so, hey guys, how are you going? Um, I am really excited. I have a really special episode for you today. It has Zara McDonald and Michelle Andrews of Shameless Podcast. You've all heard it. You all love it. Bada bing, bada boom. We love it. We love it. We love it. Um, I obviously re-listened to the podcast while I was editing it and it is just so amazing. There was minimal editing. The girls just speak so well, so eloquently. Um, it's a little bit different to the usual conversations that we have on It's A Lot, but that's the whole point. The podcast is going to kind of go in different directions for different weeks. Um, different people bring out different things in me and I want to get information from as many people as possible. And these two women really inspire me. They really are paving the way for young women in journalism, I think. Um, you know, going out on their own and having their own platform such as Shameless and proving that, yes, you can do it. Um they are lovely. They are gorgeous. They are funny. They are so cool. We're such fucking cool girls. Like, I love seeing them. Um, and this episode is basically one big compliment sandwich for the girls, which they deserve. I don't think they understand the impact they have on people's lives. Um, and yeah, I mean, you'll hear me gush about them and, you know, you'll hear the conversations that we have. But I did want to say before we start, Obviously, COVID-19 is fucked, um, really fucked. Oh, my phone, I'm going to put it on silent. Um, yeah, uh, COVID-19 is really fucked. I'm, it's really getting into the overall psyche of the nation, I think, of the world. Um, it's kind of infiltrated our lives, uh, but... It isn't the end of the world. We will get through this if we all just do what we're told to do and stay at home. Um, but the reason why I'm bringing this up, I didn't want to bring it up. I really didn't want to bring it up. I wanted to have something separate from the virus because right now what I'm doing, I don't know if you guys are the same, but I'm getting up and I'm literally wake up earlier than usual because I'm panicking and I look up COVID-19 updates and... I scroll through, I say, cool, 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 more, more incidents, more incidents, more deaths, cool, 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 cool. Italy is still um, crumbling under the weight of the pandemic. Um, that's cool, that's cool, it's super chill. Uh, then I look at Australian stats for COVID, then I see where, where Italy was two weeks ago and I freak out again. Then I see people going to Bondi Beach and I freak out again. And then I go, okay, well, maybe there's a vaccine on its way. Obviously, vaccines take more than a week. Um, so we're kind of stuck in this limbo. Uh, but this is where we're at right now and this is not where we were at when I filmed this episode, recorded this episode, sorry, with um, Michelle and Zara. This was recorded on March 12th, so that was 11 days ago. That was 11 days ago. We were talking about the possibility of Zara's flights being cancelled maybe to Italy. Now, now that seems fucking crazy. I said in this episode that I was going to Mauritius the week after. That didn't end up happening, obviously, um, because within four days, that trip was cancelled because the situation had escalated to such a degree that we couldn't, sorry, that we couldn't go. Um, I'm not crying because I'm worried about my fucking Mauritius trip, obviously. It's just ha everything is happening so quickly. And I think everyone is so anxious right now. Um, and, you know, like Michelle even says in this episode, it's le we're the least, we're the last people that should be worrying or upset. We've lost a little bit of money. Zara's is the same. But I just get very worried about, I know a lot of you in the podcast group were talking about how you've lost your jobs. Um, how you're, some of you have started businesses and now it's kind of obsolete. Um it I'm scared for everyone's health um 
it's just everything's changed in 11 days. Um, and I mean, if things can change this badly in 11 days, what's going to happen in the next 11 days? I don't mean to be a bit down or cry. I'm just trying to, um, I'm just trying to explain to you how crazy it was for me listening back to this from 11 days ago and thinking we're just walking around normally and um, everything was fine and people weren't dying. I, think, I don't think there was a death yet in Australia. Maybe there was maybe there was one, um, which is still a huge deal. A death is a huge deal, but it wasn't anywhere like it is now. And I'm really, um, I'm really worried, but we'll get through it. Um, it won't be the end of the world. It eventually will come to an end. Um, it just is a matter of time. And until that happens, we need to be on our best behavior. We need to social distance. We need to self-isolate. We need to quarantine ourselves. We need to just stay away from other people. I know it sucks. I know it sucks. But if we don't self-isolate now the longer we will be in forced self-isolation later on and the longer we will go crazy for i understand our mental health the collective psyche of the world right now is freaking the fuck out um but we need to just do it like it needs to just be done sit at home facetime me i'm gonna do on my instagram things called stay at home saturdays every saturday night so i get some people to stay at home this week i'm going to do a little painting and if you saw, saw it on my instagram but i'm painting a little um mountain and sun image uh so hopefully you guys can stay home and do that with me um but yeah things have changed it's quite funny to listen back to 10 days ago and it feel like a whole other world but keep in mind when I listen back to this episode in a year or in two years, whenever this pandemic is over, I think, wow, that felt like another world. One day someone will just share an article on your Facebook feed or you'll see an ad on TV or you'll get an Instagram DM from your friends saying that everything's okay and we can all go outside now and it, and we're not at risk anymore. Um. So, yeah, it's really scary. And I think people think that I'm not scared because I'm posting so angrily on Instagram. But, of course, I'm scared. That's why I'm so angry, because I'm scared. Um, I can't see my grandma. I can't see my um, great aunt, who are both over 90. My mum is going to school every day with kids. Um, she's 60. And a lot of you are in this limbo of either you're working in the front lines, you're a nurse, a doctor, a teacher, a childcare worker, any of those essential centers, a, a, a Coles employee, um, and which, God, I appreciate Coles employees right now. I can't imagine how they feel. And you're forced to work and you've got so much pressure on you or you've, you're out of a job and you have no money and you've got so much pressure on you financially and I just, it's so hard. I'm so, so, so lucky to have always worked from home and I'm so grateful to still be able to earn a little bit of income um, and still do things that I like doing like this podcast. Anyway, that was a very long intro, but we are in very strange times. Next week, um, I'm going to do a, just just me, a solo episode, just me. Um, and I'm going to do a Q&A. So it can be relationship advice, friendship advice, sex advice, or it can literally just be like questions about my life. Like what was your first dog's name? Um, just things you want to know. Uh, so I'll do that next week because I have a few episodes saved up with guests, but I obviously can't have guests on for a little while. I can get them over the phone, but I prefer in person because it's more fun and we can have wine afterwards. So yeah. This episode's great. Hopefully it'll uplift you a bit. And um, yeah, sending my love and everyone, I'm so sorry about what's happening. And I really feel for everyone and it's, it's fucking difficult, but we'll get through it. We'll get through it. We got through the bushfires. We can get through this. Um, love yous. Mwah.
I always get really awkward during the intros because I'm like, hi, welcome. Oh my God, don't. It's fine. Um, okay, guys, I'm here with Zara and Michelle from Shameless. I am so excited. Hi. Hello, Abby. Hey, girls. How are you going? This is such a flip. I mean, we did our episode <laughs> of Shameless. How long ago now? It would have been six months. Was it really Almost six that months long? ago mm. when you came off mm-hmm. The Bachelor and we sat down for Shameless and you were one of our most downloaded episodes ever. Oh my God. And now look at us, <laughs> six months down and we're on your podcast. And I have a podcast and no one hates me as much anymore. It's crazy. <laughs> you guys are pivotal in making that happen. Congratulations on Love that. Love that for you. you. Um, congratulations on the book. We're all very excited about it. Mm. I've had a lot of friends message me being like, have you seen Zara Michelle's book? It's so amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know. I'll tell them when I see them. <laughs> we're friends now. It's super fun. Even my ex-boyfriend, who I love, who I talk about in the podcast a lot, called me this morning and he was like, who are you doing a podcast with today? And I was like, oh, Zara and Michelle. And he was like, oh, the Shameless Girls, that's so Aww. exciting. I was like, and he doesn't listen to podcasts, As- like like feminist podcasts. He just mm-hmm. knows from me talking about you guys so much. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh- I am so excited. So we always start off with what's been a lot for you guys this week? Um, what's been a lot for me at the moment now, I know this is a very privileged position to be in. Lots of people don't travel. I have been saving for a long time to go on a mid-year trip this year in July. I'm booked to go to Europe. I've already had a drama with the tickets, which I won't get into because it was such a sob story. Mercury retrograde really fucked me and almost made me lose (laughs) $4,500 on flights. I got the $4,500 back. However, coronavirus shutting. Sorry, pause. You got it back. Yeah, I've got it back. (gasps) I know. Bless. Anyone who missed it, basically, long story short, I booked my flights through a company that went into liquidation, which meant the company disappeared into thin air and I had no one to contact about where my flights went and my flights were never booked. Anyway, got the money back through MasterCard. Thank you, MasterCard. Therefore, Mercury, Mercury in retrograde is not actually a thing. Well, it Onwards. only happened okay. It only happened after Merc- Mercury retrograde ha- You got the no. email before that, don't you dare. But I'm the money every step of the <laughs> way. No, you the can't twist that story. No, no, I'm with Michelle. I'm not. Mercury retrograde, the transfer happened post. Mm-hmm. So therefore, and also the, the issue came in during, so mm-hmm. therefore it's all within the realm of Mercury no, retrograde. I'm so sorry, within, Zara. but that's fine. Keep going. Tell us about so, what's been a lot. <laughs> what's been a lot, and I know that I know that coronavirus has affected so many people far more than it will affect me, particularly elderly people, particularly people who have compromised immune systems, all of that type of stuff. However, it may or may not mean that this European holiday is a no-go. I hope it's fine. I'm trying to remain calm. I'm trying to like reason with my anxious mind. However, I am going to Greece and I am going to London. And if it spreads to those areas, I'm kind of a little bit fucked. And that's been a lot. Well, Zara, didn't you say that you found out that Mercury retrograde happens like four times a year? Yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, didn't you didn't you say that on the podcast? That's like heaps of times. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that is heaps of times. That is heaps of times. But that it could be one of the times that you're supposed to be maybe during your flight. Have you looked? Your holiday's better off than mine. I booked cancelled again. I booked three weeks in Italy, which has got to be the worst yeah. place you can go oh, at the moment. Babe. <laughs> so are you allowed to go? Um, like probably not, but that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We're I'll all have, fine. I'll have three weeks in Melbourne and it will be fine. No, it'll all work out, I'm sure. I mean, I'm meant to go to LA in like six weeks. I'm literally considering just going next week instead because I'm like, mm. I need to go because I'm recording some podcasts with some people that I like am so excited about. And I'm like, should I just book yeah. $2,000 flights there next week and Isn't then just it cop it? Interesting. The amount of things being cancelled, the amount of things changing. It does kind of get to the point where it's like, if we lose a bit of money over this, it's kind of like, ah, well, people are losing heaps over yeah. this. It seems like everyone's yeah. losing money. So it's like, no one's like no one's winning, are they? Yeah, like no one's winning. Well, so we're all in this together, right? And it's it kind very of feels that. bizarre to think everything is just shutting down, and public gatherings and weddings oh. and funerals are all just off around the world, particularly in places like Italy and China. Yeah. But it, it, I think the world is a lot right now. Yes, oh, the world is so a lot. Much. It's very surreal. Yeah, I would say mine was maybe significant. Well, that as well. We've been talking about that, particularly <laughs> the Italy trip. considering I booked Italy and it's a, on the band travel list. So there's 10 <laughs> grand down oh, yeah, the drain. It's three or something, isn't it? It's, I you're li- up you're not night. allowed to go there. Um, <laughs> what else? <laughs> That's a lot. That is a lot. That, that is, is a lot. lot. Girls, this is the most a lot I've heard. It's a lot. Like, it's just a lot of money. But like, I'm, can, you, can you tell I'm in complete denial? <laughs> no, I'm you're like, like zoned out. Um, we also handed in our book draft again Ooh. on Tuesday, which actually does feel like a lot because the like the breath of relief that we feel. Is that mm. a fair call? It was like a, a freeing feeling for sure that we had kind of been, this was the third manuscript that we've submitted. Oh, not like completely new manuscript. We went through three drafts, mm-hmm. I think it was. 
And right. it's, yeah, and it's so all-consuming when we're doing it. So once it's done, I feel like the weight of everything has just been lifted. And then plus the podcast and then plus everything else oh, and all mm. the live shows you guys are doing and then the, that Bumble thing you went to, you've got all these things going on right now. Well, it's that... all a lot, girls. <laughs> <laughs> End of podcast, it's all a lot. And that's, that's the message. Thank you so much for coming on. It's in five minutes, 37. <laughs> well, that was, look, girls, that is a lot and I'm really proud of you for um, having a brave face in such adversity. <laughs> Our lives are really difficult. <laughs> I know. All three of us have booked trips. It's really difficult. I'm actually I'm going to Mauritius in a week. Oh, wow. You're Why are you going to Mauritius? No, I know. With Boohoo. Oh, beautiful. Oh. Yeah, with Boohoo. So, I love how you pronounce Boohoo Boohoo. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's like a reaction that I have now. It's like a Tajay situation. <laughs> um, but I'm going next week via Dubai and I'm genuinely concerned I'll get trapped in Dubai. Mm. But you know what? It's all right. It's, I can't complain when I'm with Boohoo. Life right. experience. Absolutely. That will be amazing. Yay. Okay, so now we have a little Q&A from a listener. Ooh. And did you guys get a chance to read through this or no? I mean, I want. Cool I, I, got, I got the sense or the vibe of it and I was like, that is a lot. It and is then a lot. Yeah. I was like, you know what, we'll just flesh this out on the podcast. <laughs> oh, it's cool. If not, I actually like you guys just read a little bit and then we have like a deep dive on here because otherwise it's too structured. <laughs> <laughs> this is a conversational podcast. All right, so here's the question from some little listener. Little, little, little. Tinsy. <laughs> little tiny, tiny. Okay. My boyfriend indirectly makes me feel bad about my body. I think it's an internal issue of, issue of mine and kind of struggling to deal with it. It's weird because I actually have been okay with my appearance for my whole life. Yes, I see photos and videos of myself that I'm like, lol, what a potato. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> lol, what a potato. My ex-boyfriend calls me a potato. Like oh, wow. his aim for me is potato. But you love your ex-boyfriend, right? Is this the, the one that you love? The ex-boyfriend that I love. Okay, yeah. that's okay then. We'll allow that. <laughs> Green card. I mean, we love him. He called me before I came in here. We love him more than anything on the planet. <laughs> um, uh, but I've never felt like this before. I feel unsexy and not that hot. Indirect examples that my boyfriend does. He likes photos of influencers slash models, girls with big assets, big boobs and big butts on Instagram. Um, and he told me he <laughs> sorry, I haven't <laughs> <laughs> And he told me he really enjoys titty fucking. Oh wow. Um interesting. Very specific. When we were having our first ever open conversation about sex and what we enjoy, which is a good thing to have. So we're glad you're having these conversations. Mm-hmm. The titty fucking is a weird thing because she's little, size eight with B cup boobs. So from that, I'm feeling very, well, why are you dating me? Are you just waiting around for a girl that's curvier than me to come along? Um, He validates the fuck out of me and tells me I'm beautiful all the time and says and does all the right things, so why do I still feel like this? Even writing this, I feel like I'm crazy. Um, And for people like you and other role models, over the last year or so, I've become more women-supporting women and I've got nothing against these girls you have big booty shots and stuff like, yes, get that cash. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got it, flaunt it because I would. But since I've been with my boyfriend and I see my boyfriend liking them, I feel myself slowly becoming hostile towards his girls and resenting them and wondering, oh, my God, why would she post that? She's so thirsty, which I hate. Mm. Um, but this is interesting. It is. It's like subtle, isn't it? I think one thing that stands out to me is that you can have a physical type that has nothing to do with your partner. Like I've got friends and girlfriends who know that their boyfriends stereotypically liked a very different look to what Mm -hmm. they have. And we've had conversations about this in the past. And I actually don't think it necessarily matters. I think a loving long-term relationship relies on so much more. Yes, it relies on physical attraction, but so much more than even, um, I don't know, like sexual preference, what he just said there, like even titty fucking, titty fucking, if that's what we want to call it. I, I, mean, I just think that that's such a small element and that it's not, if, if he makes her feel beautiful and she said in the second part of that, that he does yeah, make her feel beautiful, which confused me. That is what I'm confused about because mm. I agree with you. I do kind of think the trope of the type is a little like overblown. And reductive. Completely reductive. I think you fall in love with a person that is so much more than the shape of their body. Mm. That said, I did want to touch on very quickly this idea of like dating someone who might be lacking photos of other girls on Instagram because I think at the very end there when she was like, I feel so bad that I think like this. And it's like, well, you're not angry at those girls. You're angry at your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. That's you like, that's, that's all it is. And I do think there are elements of respect there. Like I really do that. I wouldn't want to be dating someone that's going around on Instagram, liking a billion different photos of every other girl on, on the internet. I agree with that. I've got guy friends who I think are beautiful and wonderful and make great boyfriends. And yet I also see them like 
inappropriate photos on Instagram. I know it sounds like such a ridiculous small thing, but you can scroll past a photo and in your head like it and go, <laughs> I like that look, I like whatever that appeals to me. You don't have to physically like it so that the world can see your name next to it. That, that feels so like true. a public declaration of, I like this and my girlfriend is the polar opposite. That is so true, the liking in your head thing. Yeah, Yeah. you can just scroll past. That's what confuses me about it is like what point are you trying to make by liking that image? Because if this is a model with a million followers – let's be sure that she's not going to see your name on it and come chasing you. So you're not doing it for her. You're literally only doing it so the world sees that you do it and what reasons are behind that. Like that's Mm. what's very confusing to me. Like the performative element of liking someone's photos when they're provocative and sexual that aren't your partner. I just wonder if she's told him though that it makes her feel uncomfortable or if he's just doing it and she's... And and she just is noticing it and not saying mm. anything. Because if she doesn't tell him, he might just be doing it subconsciously. Because on The Bachelor, this is like not really same thing, but we weren't allowed to like photos. Mm. And I found myself subconsciously liking photos yeah. without yeah, even anything course. that goes to my – just like double tap, double tap. And I didn't even realise that I was doing it until I wasn't allowed to do it and I got in trouble for doing it. Mm. Because everyone's like, why are you liking this photo of this person? And I'm like, I didn't. Yes, you did. What strikes me about this as well, it sounds like they're in a new relationship and I agree with you. It almost sounds like this is just behaviour where he has gone through and liked photos in that way anyway. This all seems like quite fresh relationship problems. Gosh. To me, as someone who's been in a relationship for four and a half years, wow. this does seem like an early stage problem. I think she just needs to talk to him about it and he probably might not even realise that he's doing it. Yeah, I agree. I and think also unfollow the accounts. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't even care if they don't unfollow the accounts. Just more like be aware of the behaviour. And if he continues to do it beyond a conversation, then, then that's a issue. much bigger issue. I think um, with the type thing as well, like when I dated Todd King, his type, literally, you could line up all the girls he's ever slept with, and they were like, uh, like petite, brown hair, brown eyes, tan, like small boobs, and then there was me with the fucking big curly hair. And I, <laughs> I actually like it was a joke at first, but then I genuinely would get so insecure about it, and I'd be like, "Well, I'm, I'm not what you would usually go for." And mm. you look at me, and you've had to learn to think I'm attractive. But then after a little while, I was like, "Oh, okay, you." you like me so much as a person that you find Mm. me attractive regardless of what your type is. Yeah. I do think that someone's personality kind of changes your perspective on how Mm. they look, Mm. doesn't it? Like if you really love who they are, then you see them physically in a different light. So then the type becomes like pointless. Do you guys have types? No. Oh my God. If you line up all my exes, you'd be like, this girl has a mental health issue. Like (laughs) it's literally like from ages like 20 to like 36, like all different jobs, all different, like long hair, short hair, all different races. Like I'm just a mess. My only type is tall. That's been it. That would be the only unifying feature. I have, I wouldn't have a type. I would not. Mm, Interesting. Not at all. Well, that's great advice, girls. God, you're smart. Your answers are so (laughs) eloquent and great. No wonder you have a podcast with love, et cetera. (laughs) Now we'll do a little chatty chat. Let's do that. It's a little chatty chat. Okay, I had so many questions for you guys. I listened to your interview on the Keep It Clean, the Kick Pod. Yes. Sorry. Oh, it was like a lifetime ago. It was a lifetime ago. Yeah, I listened to it because I love um, Steph and Laura and I was mm. like, oh, you know what? I also love Zara Michelle. So <laughs> this works out well for me. Um, and you guys had a really great chat. And I heard you guys start off Mamma Mia, which I actually did not know. Yeah. And obviously now you are both such a, like, you're such powerhouses in Australian journalism and but everyone knows who you are. Like my best, best friend showed me you guys and she was listening since you guys started and she showed me because during The Bachelor I was so depressed and she's like, they're nice about you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, listen, these, these girls are nice about you and I just loved the podcast in general mm. and it's grown I think really exponentially in my circles anyway recently and I think it's really amazing to see smart funny, cool women succeed in this way while you're so young as well. And I just want to give you give you guys, I want you guys to give me a rundown of how your career started because I feel like you guys are an anomaly, but that's why you're so popular because everyone loves the fact that you guys are fucking killing it. Mm. That's well, really nice, that? first of all. That Thank is, you. That is very lovely of you to say. Um, and it does mean a lot to hear that. I think you can see things now. I think people would look at it now and I think people often forget the stuff that happened before that. And I know that sounds like a really obvious point to make, but I think people forget that it wasn't always like this and it was like a lot of grunt work Mm -hmm. for a long time and a lot of like self-doubt and second-guessing for years before we got to this point. Um, And also a lot of people that said no to us too. So we started um, doing podcasting. We actually started a bachelor 
recap podcast together, Would You Believe It, for Mamma Mia back in the day. Would you believe it, girl? I know. So, like, super on brand for you. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and we were just thrown in a studio together because we were, like, uh, the youngest people in the workplace but also kind of the loudest and most obnoxious. Is that a fair call? No, totally. I think it all happened because we were literally arguing about pop culture stuff back and forth, probably mm. about The Bachelor. I think Let's it be was real. about Richie Strawn. Richie Strawn, whether or not he's a good or bad Bachelor. <gasps> And I can't remember what side of the fence I was on. I know what side you I'm were on. I'm pretty sure I was defending him, I'm not going to yeah. lie. <laughs> I was trying to argue that he was a good choice for Bachelor and Zara was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and we were having this really impassioned argument across our desks because Zara and I just naturally gravitated towards each other. Mm-hmm. Like we were very similar ages. We worked on the graveyard shifts together, whether that was late at night or on weekends, we were always working together. So we naturally just bonded. We have mutual interests and things as well. And uh, Monique Bowley, who was the head of podcasting at Mamma Mia at the time, kind of popped her head above the desks and was like, you two would be interesting on a podcast together. Like maybe we should actually get you in a trial or maybe we suggested it to Mons but regardless it was kind of cooked up then in that moment the idea that you and I should sit down in a podcast studio together and just see how it goes yeah and it was pretty awkward to start like you know when you see I mean oh, I'm so awkward still but I've I've recorded like I think like 30 podcasts as a guest doing yeah. yourself you're like huh because you're in control right <laughs> and you're like where me. do I take this and yeah. I remember the first thing that we were told as advice when we were starting to train up was like make sure you at least pretend that you think you know where the episode's going because yeah. people can sense your fear. Like they can sense when you don't know, but like you have no fear. <laughs> oh but but the, the, the audience can sense when you don't know where the episode is going and they kind of cringe on your behalf. And that was like mm. the best advice we got at the start because it's like, all right, well, we're just going to completely fake this at the start to mm. make it seem like we know where this is going when we didn't. Mm-hmm. But well, a lot of the content that we were writing at the time and producing at the time was celebrity content, but we like to call it more like smart celeb like mm-hmm. um we didn't like how surfacey a lot of celebrity reality tv content was we wanted yeah. to actually unpack why people found it interesting and what it said about the world and women's interests mm-hmm. and i guess it was just a natural extension there that when we wanted to continue podcasting and create our own idea that it was going to center on that yeah totally so we did pitch the idea we had the idea for shameless in 2017 so a long time ago Crazy. now and we pitched it to the company and we kind of did all the things that we thought would bring it to fruition. So we met with sales people in the Melbourne office. We kind of created a list of brands that could sponsor the podcast because we knew that to make anything in digital media, you have to make it commercial. a monetary, oh, commercial, commercially viable mm-hmm. prospect, basically. Otherwise, why do it unless you're the ABC or SBS? And so we did all that. We recorded a pilot episode. We tried to edit it as well. We had no experience in editing, no experience in production, no experience in podcasting equipment, which is very simple once you know it, but at the beginning seems like a whole other language, I guess. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's trying still- to do anything tech. Well, I asked you guys for the help on the on the even recording equipment. I was like, what do I do? I'm so confused. <laughs> but that's what we did with everyone. Like yeah. we asked so many people. And when that podcast didn't go ahead with Mamma Mia and we were kind of left with the idea, we were kind of like, we need to jump on this now because – we really don't think that um, someone else won't just make this. Mm. Like, and not because they know the idea, but because we think there's such a gaping hole for content for women our age. Like there really oh. wasn't anything that we think someone will jump on in this and fill the hole. So we need to be the ones to do it first, which meant we were doing it completely by ourselves on our weeknights, on our weekends, training ourselves teaching ourselves how to do it and then we just threw it out into the world. Yeah, the real reason it drops on a Monday every episode is because Zara and I had full-time jobs and we had to record on Sundays. It was like the only day we had free. So we'd record and edit on Sundays and that's why it drops on Monday morning still. I thought it was like to make our Mondays better. Well, that's, <laughs> that's how what we, we told people. That was the spin, Abby. That was the absolute spin. Well, like, it, you spun me. <laughs> I, I used to at work being like, yes, Mondays suck. Shameless this time. And we wouldn't, we, we would really struggle to change that now, I think, because Monday morning you want to put something light in people's ears, mm. right? But... Yeah, at the start it was just by pure necessity that our Sundays were completely consumed by prep, recording and production. So you pitched it and then they said nah. Well, originally they said yes and I think it kind of came to a point where they didn't have necessarily the resources to make it a priority. They wanted Mm -hmm. to launch other podcasts first so they told us it won't happen. They said yes and we had a date and we kind of had like a time that we were going to launch and then that was scrapped and they said this can't be a priority for this year basically. Mm -hmm. And if it is a priority, we're not we got the impression that we probably wouldn't host it or there might be other hosts on it. And we kind of felt at the time, we love this idea. 
yes, we are green. Yes, we are not the best podcast host in the world. However, when are we ever going to get better or how are we ever going to get better unless we just try and actually get behind microphones and practice? Like it's the one way to get better. I know that if you've launched this now, you'll probably feel awkward for the first 20 episodes Mm. and you'll probably sit behind and have those nerves and have those jitters. I still sometimes get nervous, but you are never going to get better at something like this or YouTube or writing unless you just start and just do it. So we were like, okay, fine. If you guys don't want it, totally understand you're a business. You need to do things that are right for you. And there are a whole host of reasons why it might not be the case that you want to launch this right now. So we said, can we launch it independently and go and do it on our own, our own time and train ourselves how to do this ourselves. And they said, yes. And we did. And then within about three months, it kind of became a bit of a tenuous situation where we weren't sure if the two things, if the podcast and our jobs merged together that well, it was a bit of a conflict to have almost a competitor. Well, totally. We accidentally gave birth to a competitor and it looked, it was just strange optics, to be honest, to have like a podcast targeted at women that was made independently of the jobs that we were in. So we were like, the podcast is our priority. We're going to do this. We're going to quit our jobs and see how it goes. And we backed the right horse. We did back the right horse. Thank fuck. Because them rejecting that podcast was the best thing they ever did for us. Well, on the point of then, of, I guess, being possibly made with different hosts. I think the reason why you are such great hosts is because you aren't the quote unquote perfect podcast host. Mm-hmm. It isn't overly produced. It's like a conversational thing and it is like hanging out with my friends, having a coffee before work, being like, oh my God, did you see that thing on The Bachelor? They're like, yeah, but I think actually this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's so successful because you guys aren't, you guys are great hosts, but you How are, dare you, Abby? <laughs> we are the perfect <laughs> podcast. But, but you guys are, it's like you're my friends. Like mm. I met you guys twice and I'm like, oh, Zara and Michelle would find <laughs> this funny. And that's why the podcast community group as well, everyone's like, oh my God, Zara and Michelle would love this. Well, it's true. And I think it's part of the reason that there hasn't been much content targeted to women our age for so long, because the women that are going to make it are going to be our age. And I think there's this assumption that they're probably not experienced enough or smart enough to make it. And then it's mm. kind of like this perpetuating cycle. cycle. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of want people that are at your level producing the content that you want to hear. I think the women that you target as well are kind of an unseen group in media. Like they think women who are in their early 20s or late teens, early 20s to even late 20s and early 30s want like trash. They want trash. You want dumb things. We don't have brains. Um, And or where quote-unquote, nerdy types and don't have anything to do with that and we don't want to have anything to do with that but there's no intersection yeah. and you guys have found that perfect intersection and I think everyone that I know loves it and that's all we speak, speak about. It's all oh, we thanks. talk about. But it's true. Like but it's, that's why everyone it, loves you guys. Isn't it crazy that we're even having this discussion being like it's so weird that that nobody even considered this to be a possibility that like young women were like incredibly multifaceted with wow. like a lot of different interests. And mm. to – like, to be honest, it's not just Zara and I. In Australia, there was a gaping hole. But internationally, like in the US and the UK, there is so much content yeah. for exactly like Shameless. Oh, that really? is very smart, very intelligent pop culture analysis. For some reason, it was a gap in the market in Australia. I don't know if that's an indictment on who makes the calls and who's making decisions in media companies, if it is older Australians, white Australians, men that just don't see this generation of young women and don't understand what they're actually interested in. It was certainly the case here for us, but I know that internationally it's not a gap at all. I think as well Australia's behind in podcasting though. I yes. feel like I've listened to podcasts since I was in grade 10 on the bus listening to Hamish and Andy's. Like, <laughs> oh, the Hamish and Andy podcast is like the best podcast ever. It makes Still you my fave. cackle. It makes yeah. you – I just love them. But like I was listening to – have you heard Guys We Fucked? Yes. Yes. Like they, they're kind of like my inspiration for my podcast because it isn't really like an openly like really super sex positive podcast mm. really in Australia. Probably are a few, but not that I've heard anyway. Mm. And it's crazy that Australia just is so behind. I think we're more conservative than we realise. We know is what we I'm are. Saying. I think we're really regressive. I think with a lot crazy. of things. I mean, we see a, you, we have international guests come all the time. And uh, this morning when we released our episode with Jules Von Hepp, who started Isle of Paradise, he was talking about how our advertising and our sense of diversity, just even in the beauty industry, is so behind the rest of the world. Mm. And it is amazing that a country like ours can be so behind in so many different industries. But we're so diverse. And we think that... And I think as well because we are in our little pockets of friendship groups, I think we do get kind of like stuck in this vacuum where I don't realise people don't think the same way that I do. And I consume the same content. And because of the algorithms of social media, I see all the things that I'm like, yep, I agree, confirmation bias. And then I... Turn on sunrise. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
I watched Carrie Ann Kennelly yesterday by accident and I literally was like, what is this woman saying? But, yeah. you know, I get I get confronted by it, but you guys bring me back down to earth, so I'm glad about <laughs> it. Um, Remind you of all the evil stuff out there. <laughs> so you guys said that when you when you quit your jobs you felt like there was, like, competitive interest. Was it mm. also that your work was getting – were you just getting overwhelmed? Because even, like, I quit my nine-to-five last year. Obviously it was in property and nothing to do with what I'm doing now. But I was being so naughty. I was like doing my like my like influencer stuff and like writing articles at my job and like like listening to podcasts to like get ideas for other things and mm. doing all this stuff and then like secretly like crying in the bathroom about The Bachelor for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> and like I just got so overwhelmed and I felt like it got to a point where I was sort of like, okay, I'm so busy. I'm ha- I'm crying every night. I'm having breakdowns every night because I'm trying to do essentially two jobs. Yeah. I can either do both of them half-assed or commit to one and take a risk and it could be the huge payoff. Mm-hmm. Is that how you felt or was it at a point where you kind of were okay with the work amount? It didn't actually happen like that for a while for us. So what happened when we quit those jobs is we were kind of desperate to find other work for a little while. Mish went freelance um, because I guess there wasn't much work in Melbourne, was there? Like there was one job that I found that I was interested in. We both kind of said though, after Mamma Mia, we weren't really sure where we were going to go because there was nothing that particularly interested us. So Mish went freelance so she could have the flexibility to write what she wanted to write. And also because the call to quit was quite last minute and freelance was a good call. <laughs> um, <laughs> didn't really have a whole bunch of time to like so find options. Can you explain to me just freelance? I don't mm. understand the freelance journalism thing. Mm. I have a degree in property economics. I don't really understand. Can you just do a quick rundown of how you get work, what you do? Do you pitch ideas? Do you- it's so funny because when I was when I quit Mamma Mia, I was telling everyone I was becoming a freelance journo, freelance writer, and I had no fucking idea what that even meant. I think I was even working as a freelancer and I was still like, is this what it is? Like it's such <laughs> an enigma. Basically you're unemployed and you're trying to find money. Money from anywhere. So like okay. what I would do, I remember my first day of freelancing so clearly I made myself a spreadsheet. Zara will tell anyone I am spreadsheet queen. <gasps> so I love I. tracking. I love having things down on a paper where I can kind of see where things are sitting and placed. And so I made myself a spreadsheet and I said, okay, how much do I need to make a year to pay my rent, to do everything okay, to get by, to not starve basically and not live mm-hmm. off meagering. So I was basically like, okay, I need to find a few thousand dollars a month to make. Mm-hmm. And I then just started thinking of ideas for articles and stories and I started sending those out to my contacts. Thankfully, Mamma Mia is a job where you come across lots of different people and lots of people move around in the media particularly. And so I knew lots of people at different publications like News Corp and um, The Age and Sydney Morning Herald and stuff like that, Fairfax. So I was able to reach out and kind of get some work that way. But also freelance writing is so poorly paid. Like for one article that could take me eight hours, I might get paid $250 for it. And that's on the upper tier. I was offered like a hundred to $150 for some articles. It's fucked, Abby. It's really bad. It's really bad because it takes incredible amounts of skill in order to do these kinds of things. Yeah. And this was like investigation work as well. So like calling people, like there was one piece that I wrote that would have been 1500 words and required four interviews and I got paid $200 for it. And that almost took me like half a week to write that. So I also then had to find copywriting work and other work on the side. I did work with the Kick Girls, did copywriting through their program Mm -hmm. and helped them with different things in their business. That was good. I did that for a few months as well. It was kind of like just scrapping together bits and pieces to try and make it work. But when I was freelancing, Shameless was such a huge priority. Like I've always believed in Shameless and it was very much like, okay, I'm freelancing, I'm writing to keep myself going, Mm -hmm. but I'm putting my creative energy into Shameless wherever I physically can. And Zara was the same. Yeah. I think we both kind of knew in the back of our minds of the plans that we had at that moment were very, very short term. So I went into another job I worked for um, as a lifestyle writer for Domain, which was a, a property magazine. And I was doing that, but also like, I actually think I, I look back with hindsight thinking I was A, the world's worst employee because I was distracted at all hours of the day. Like I was picking up the phone to Michelle in the bathrooms. As you were saying, Abby, I was on my computer with all my tabs open and I had like one domain tab and like seven shameless tabs. We were oh, selling right. live tickets while I was on my shifts. Mm-hmm. My editor would have sat next to me and known exactly what I was doing, but it was just the loveliest person in the world. Oh, me too. My boss took my phone off me at one point because I was applying a DMs and he was like, you're sitting here crying, replying to DMs. People are abusing your line. He's like, this is for your mental health. And I was like, no, it's not. And he was like, you literally, are, you, you're 
we need to get tissues at your desk. This is so tragic. <laughs> it's so lovely having good people around you in yeah. those kinds of workplaces. So I have the nicest team around me, like the nicest group of people ever. And I remember after six months, I mean, after the first month, I was like, Michelle, we've really fucked this. Like we should have just gone and dived right into Shameless. But you fucked it, not me. No, I'm <laughs> but we weren't, we still wow, didn't make girl, money for six months either. Um, but so we didn't even start making money until I'd really quit. Mm. But the thing was, once I did quit, everyone was so nice about it. And they were like, we've been waiting for you to do this. Like, we've been waiting for the call to say that you've quit your job. It's a huge leap of faith as well. Like, I think the thing as well is doing, again, I'm really lucky to have a platform already. Mm. So doing my podcast and doing the little bits of writing and doing the influencing um, <laughs> I can't say the word influencer seriously. Oh it's so dumb, but it's like how else do I describe it? Um, I am literally like, okay, I can either, like I was saying, I can either do it half fast or I can just go for it. Mm. And I think the difference is when you really commit to something, then it succeeds usually. Like if you put all your energy in, it probably will succeed if you have a half decent or decent idea. Yeah. Um, like I could probably easily just coast along and just earn money off Instagram and earn a few thousand dollars a month and be like, you, but I want to make something work. And mm. I think you two are so hardworking and smart and I have such a, you guys, are, why are you so humble? It's really weird. I was like, we're not used to getting this many compliments. <laughs> Before every question you have a compliment. So we're just like spiraling right now. I'm shriveling into yeah. my seat with, I love it. Thank you so much. You're so kind. But like every time I get a compliment, I'm like, oh no, no they're going to catch me out. No, but I really admire, no imposter syndrome 101 girls, but yeah. I really admire you guys. And I think it's, it's incredible what you're doing. And I think I heard you speak on KickPod mm. um, about, how much effort you put in mm. and how you and how you guys also had to delegate different jobs. Yep. And I wondered, was that hard having a good friend to work with? Because I can barely live with my friends, let alone have a business partner. It's a question we get a lot. It's like, how do you work with your friend? And I think what people forget initially is we didn't start as social friends. We've always been work friends. Like mm. our relationship was built on work and similar interests around work. Like even at Mamma Mia, I don't even think we hung out outside of work because you, we spent mm so many hours together a day beyond that you kind of don't need much else really um and then when we started doing this people still ask us like but what about the friendship and it's like the friendship is a huge priority but the friendship came second to the work relation the working relationship and therefore it's a much easier path for mm. us to navigate like it's mm -hmm. not difficult mm. like we spend more time together than we do with our partners and our family and stuff like we are incredibly close but at the same time we know how to work together like it's always been imbued in our relationship to be able to have that kind of like sharing really honest opinions and having really honest feedback with each other. I actually don't think I'd be able to do the job with anyone else other than I, Zara. I don't think I would either. I think we've somehow managed to create this relationship where we will be incredibly honest and try not to be bitingly rude as we're honest. Oh God, <laughs> we'll hard sometimes. Do you yeah. ever just kind of like, cause I, you guys work, it's such a, I'm going to compliment you guys again. <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm here. please stop me. it. Stop it. Everything you're saying is right. Um, the dynamic that you guys have on the podcast is so great. Like mm. my friends the other day, she was like, it's so good the way that, you know, you just, you work to you bounce off each other, but you also have ideas that have the same sort of base, but are kind of conflicting and you can talk about things. And I just, it, it works so well, but I wonder if sometimes you clash because you're a little bit different in your, I guess, working styles. Yeah. Well, look, only very, very rarely. Mm. Like we often get off without a hitch and like there's no problems. It might happen once every few months where one piece of feedback is a little bit more blunt than what <laughs> we would typically give because we're sleep deprived or cranky or hungry mm. in my, indefinitely in my case. Mm. Um, but it's very rare. And like whenever we do have an argument or it's not even an argument, whenever we just need a bit of space is typically what we need. Yeah. Like to go sit in isolation for a little bit and just breathe for five minutes yeah. and then we're fine. Like we have never had an, a screaming match with each other. We have never gotten really upset. If anything, we only ever get a little bit annoyed when we're both overwhelmed. And I think it is overwhelmed the majority of the time. I, yeah, yeah, when it's overwork and you just feel so exhausted and you end up lashing out at literally everybody. <laughs> but I don't even think we're like we wouldn't even lash out. No, it is just that, no. that thing that comes off a little bit more biting than you intend or maybe mm. you just don't phrase something in the way that you intend. But even still, even when that happens, I think if you've got a relationship that is based in respect and you actually do understand how the other person functions very, very well, you can also understand where it's coming from and why yeah. it's coming out mm. that way. Like you always give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, maybe with, in your case, it kind of works in your favour. You're a little bit different. Yes. Um, oh, just love you guys so much. <laughs> <laughs> just my queens. 
So I also want to talk about back to the little quitting your nine to five. Mm. How did it feel like emotionally? How did it feel going from the security of a nine to five to being completely self-reliant? Because I, since I quit, have been like constantly anxious. Like, yeah. And I'm, I'm like earning more money than I was in my nine to five, but I'm like, it's going to end soon. Hence the spreadsheets. Hence why I'm like, okay, I have money until June. I have money until June. That's what I can do. This is how I can save it. This is how I can invest it. What should I do with all this extra? What am I doing? And do you feel like I heard you say on Kickpot, lol, plugging it so much (laughs) for some reason, but it was such a good interview. Um, and you guys spoke so well on it. Um, you were saying that it makes you work harder and it's, it's so true because I am constantly panicking. I wake up at 3am replying to emails or writing down mm. ideas for things or being like, I need to do this, this and this because I don't want to be just a reality TV person. Mm. Um, how did it feel emotionally, stress-wise? Zara and I are very different about this. I just have a weird base level of financial anxiety about everything all the time. It doesn't matter how well the podcast is or isn't doing or what sponsorship deals we have coming in or not. I will always feel financially anxious and I will always feel insecure. And it's something that Zara and I have definitely noticed we are different on because I am perpetually worried that money will dry up always. And I think perhaps that's how I was raised in that money talk was very common in my family. Like I remember feeling my family's fine, like middle class, all fine. But I remember feeling anxious about money growing up Mm -hmm. and worried that we would run out and what would happen then. And I I think that's definitely filtered into adulthood for me where I do worry, like going from full-time work where my pay was the same every single month and it was just guaranteed basically, unless I got fired, um, to going to freelance was so anxiety inducing. It really did feel like um, plunging myself off a cliff and figuring out how to swim as I go. And I think the best thing to do is just to to back yourself that if you keep putting in all of your energy and all of your effort into every piece of content you put out, that that will kind of generate its own life. Like it will keep opening doors for you. The Mm -hmm. doors won't stop opening because you're continually putting out good work into the world. I think that's the only way I can manage it. But I'm also probably not the best person to ask because I still worry about this on a weekly basis to Zara. I panic. Yeah, it is really interesting. And I don't like I don't feel about it but I think it's a couple of things and it is interesting because it's like Michelle and I didn't even come from particularly different backgrounds like we had very very similar childhoods with regards to how our parents kind of dealt with money and things that had happened Mm. but I think I felt so anxious in my nine to five and so anxious about what was going to come next I was so anxious about how I was going to find work and a career and what my job was going to look like that now that I have control over my own working environment and my own working arrangement that I feel far more calm and I think it's that comparison that makes me feel calm and we also have other really great people working around us who are very good at helping us do this stuff and the second thing I think is it does give you the opportunity not just to work hard but to strategize like to really think critically about the work that you're going to find coming up, how the, the, the cash flow that you're going to find coming in. Like I will often find myself asking Michelle, like at the most random times in the day, okay, so one of us falls sick, what do we do? How do we find money? Who's who's taking the money? Who, what work are we putting Percentage out? Percentage split. Yeah. Coronavirus and myself isolated. How oh. are we making money? Like we're constantly, look, it's actually just me. I'm constantly <laughs> like to Michelle, all right, what are we doing in those moments? In because event. yeah, in the event that something happens and we're not protected. So yeah. I think it is is just also about giving time for strategy. Yeah, I think I have extra anxiety though because I grew up in a house where we had like no money. So I'm like, I like we couldn't, I had three jobs in year 12. We were, I was like literally paying for my entire like life, never went on holidays. Everyone would go away for like school holidays and I'd be like working at the ice cream store, mm. like working at Boost plus at another's juice store plus another ice cream store across the road all competitors. It was all in secret <laughs> as well. You could like see them all from each other and I would like hide. Um <laughs> But I think that's where my anxiety comes from. But maybe I should think about it more like Zara. Oh, my God. I think everyone should think about it more like Zara. That's really calm. That's really... um, You guys are going to spy on me and, like, next week I'll be stressed about it. I don't know. I just do think... I do feel very lucky to have control and also time to work out where we can find that money. I really do feel lucky. I think as well, I'm trying to think of it in a way that I hated my nine to five so much. Like, Mm. at least you guys were in the same realm property I was a financial analyst like what um I hated it I would go to work every day and I would get so angry men would speak to me (laughs) men like because you're surrounded by um 
chauvinistic, sexist, racist. Like they were saying N word, the N word in the office. Wow. Like it was that level, and I would get so internally enraged at work that I would come home and just cry because I was so angry. This is before The Bachelor. I would get so mad. And I'm like, I just seem to realise that I'd rather earn half the amount of money and be a little bit stressed for a little while doing something that I enjoy doing than be in a nine-to-five purely for job security and, like, to be, I guess, financially calm but then mentally not well. Yeah, I wonder if it's different for us because you can actually see a world where you could easily get another job as a financial analyst and go back into that career. I don't see a world where I could potentially find a job in Melbourne because there's no journalist jobs. Do you know oh, what I mean? So it's kind of like what's the other option yeah, for true. us? I think on the uh, uh, like a positive spin on all of this is that I am so in love with my job. Like mm. that sounds very earnest and sincere, but it's the truth. Like I feel incredibly fulfilled by what we do. So even if money does dry up or if it starts to only just trickle in and we begin to struggle, then maybe that's okay also. So like I'm fine, everything's fine. I think that's why um, financial literacy and financial education is so important for women because I do have savings now. Like, yes, I'm going to Europe and spending some money over there slash losing some money over there, but I've also set myself up where I'm not going to be homeless tomorrow. And mm. I think that's also a huge thing for women to kind of ease their anxiety, to educate themselves about these things. But also we're lucky to be in a job that we love and I genuinely do love it so much. Yeah, no, it, I feel so lucky right now that I can do, like speaking about feminism and sex and everything like that, like even my advice column. Hey, yeah, how exciting is Incredible. that, by the way? Oh my so God. exciting. They called me and I was super chill. I was like, yeah, whatever, I guess I'll do it. Got off the phone, cried. Oh. I was like, I'm Carrie Bradshaw. I was like, <laughs> I made it. But like to be able, like a year ago I was, well, I was in the mansion a year ago, but crazy. But a year ago I was, before I went on The Bachelor, I was like, I hate my job. All I see is getting through this job to try and earn more money and more money and more money and hate it. And now I'm like, it's my, it's been like my life goal to want to do something that I really enjoy doing. And it makes you want to do more and more and more. Yeah. And like you were saying, the doors will open if you keep pushing it and pushing it. But I know I am lucky to have this platform that like, yeah, that it's, that I have a little starting point, but I also feel like for the first time in my life, I have a bit of a starting point. Like, yeah. because I've come from like an underprivileged family. Like, I'm like, yeah. I've never had that thing of being like, well, I have a one up. And for the first time, I'm like, I have a one up. So <laughs> I felt guilty yesterday. I was like, oh, I feel bad that like my podcast is doing well because, um, like, a, I, like the group has like three and a half thousand members it's already. So yeah, group, I'm not in the group. I need to join the group. Babe, I started at like midnight last oh, night. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I was like, I'll add you in, girls. It's so, 10 a.m. So we're only home. 10 hours behind. No, I, no, I, I started it last night and I, and it has three and a half thousand members. And I got, I felt like guilty. I was like, oh, this is only because I was on The Bachelor. But then I was like, fuck it. No, but also like, it's one thing to go on The Bachelor. It's another to like create a really loyal audience after that. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. not everybody can do that. I mean, this is such an, a random example. People always say that with uh, different women like Beck Judd being like, oh, yeah, but she was a footballer's wife. She was mm. a wag, whatever. I don't like the term wag, but we'll use that because that's mm. what so many people use. It's like, yes, but how many tens of thousands of wags went through the same kind of uh, experiences that she did and she turned it into this blossoming, incredible presenting mm -hmm. media, radio modelling gig for herself. Like how many people can curate such an engaged, dedicated following? Like, yes, you're on The Bachelor and, yes, that opened you up to hundreds of thousands of people, but not every contestant on The Bachelor has done that and not every contestant on The Bachelor will speak to people in the way that you have and connect with people and kind of have that, energy that draws people in and yes some of it has been negative but I would argue mm. that overwhelmingly recently it's been positive because you've kind of found your tribe mm -hmm. and that's wonderful and not everyone can do that so mm, that's nice. like a good that's a reminder that yes you got a leg up from reality tv but, but you also created a lot yourself yeah you went handed it Mm, thanks, girls. I love this compliment. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast should be compliments with the shameless girls. <laughs> Time for us to return the favour. <laughs> um, wow, we've, I've gotten really off topic with these. <laughs> wow. Oh, okay. This is a good one. Oh, I know if it's a good one. This is just obviously I thought it was a good one because I wrote it down. Um, so you've kind of touched on it, but do you have any advice for people starting a podcast now, particularly mm. young women, um, maybe who are already in journalism because yeah. I feel like it's such a saturated market now and you guys, you did like hardcore guerrilla marketing. Yeah, we yeah. did. That was the coolest thing I've ever heard. I was like, <sighs> I can just imagine you guys are running around for some reason with like little caps on, like like little like ninjas like running around uni <laughs> bathrooms. For anyone who didn't know this, we, um, I mean, how dare you not know this? I but mean, Rue, know the origins of the girls. <laughs> we 
didn't have any marketing budget to get Shameless out there. We did not have personal followings at all. I think we had like a thousand followers each or something. I hadn't actually hit a thousand. <laughs> I remember when I did and I was like, I should get balloons for this. <laughs> this like yeah. a 1K instead of a 1M no, I balloon. Used to, I used to see influencers do it for like 1 million and I was like, fuck, I should get Michelle to buy me like a 1K, $1,000. In front of a pool? Yeah. Like in bikinis? I should have yeah. on, fl- on those pink flamingos. I missed opportunity <gasps> yes. if that there was, was one. So we had no money. Like we had none at all. No marketing budget, no platform to promote this podcast. So we thought, okay, well, what we can do is use our family and friends and works printers to print off posters and buy some blue tack and stick them on the back doors of uh, women's bathrooms in universities. Like one way to find young women is to go to literal universities and go to the women's bathrooms, right? Do you think we have those posters saved on our computer somewhere? Because they are the most ridiculous things ever. It was like Kim Kardashian peering out from behind a tree being like, I'm watching you. Yeah. No, she was going, but we made her, we gave her a speech bubble that said, have you checked out Shameless yet? So shit. You can laugh, but it fucking worked. Of course it worked. No, but it would I would be like, what is that? What's yeah. on, the, on the bathroom door? And we still have listeners come up to us today to be like, I found you from my university bathrooms. And we went around, we did Melbourne Uni, Monash Uni, RMIT, Deakin. So we hit the biggest four in the city. We should have done Vic Uni. It's only down the road, Zara. I know, it's so close. There's still time, girls. Maybe oh we should God. go back to oh, it. this afternoon was <laughs> shameless. That's so But funny. my God, like one lesson that stood out to us from that was that university bathrooms need to be cleaned on a more regular basis. And not all university bathrooms are made equal. No, Melbourne Uni, don't know what the fuck. They've got more than mm. enough money, but they need to be paying their janitors more. Really? RMIT, Tragic. beautiful bathrooms. RMIT, very, very clean, like pristinely clean bathrooms. Deakin Uni could do with improvement. Monash Uni, middle of the rung as well. But that was the thing, like when you have no money... I don't know. Like Michelle was much better at creating or finding these like crazy ideas out of nowhere than I was. But you kind of just throw anything at a wall and see if it sticks. Like what else? I'm trying to think about what else we did because I do think one thing we should acknowledge is it wasn't as saturated a market when we started. Like it was two years ago. And I do think that timing plays a huge part Mm -hmm. in whatever you want to do. It was lucky that we had the idea then. It was lucky that podcasting wasn't nearly as mainstream as it is now. It wasn't, I would go as far to say it wasn't mainstream at all two years ago. For young women. It would have been for older Australians. For our demo, it wasn't mainstream at all. It was crazy for us to even start an Instagram page for our podcast because we didn't know what the fuck we'd put on it Mm -hmm. because there were no Instagram pages for podcasts for young women that we could see. Like there was Mm -hmm. nothing anecdotally that we'd seen. So we couldn't even model our own Instagram content off another podcast because we didn't see anyone else do it. Like that sounds absurd now, doesn't it? It's crazy because it's like it's the norm, but that was only what, two years? Two years? Oh, because it was a two Two anniversary anniversary this week. What What are our big tips? I guess my tip is that if you're listening to this, and you want to create a podcast, I would say find the gap. As uh, as we said before, the gap for pop culture, smart pop culture content has been filled, but I'm sure there are different spaces around it mm-hmm. that you could look for. But there are holes, like 100% mm-hmm. there will be holes and there will be something that is creative and new and fresh that you could create in the next month or two that no one else has really come up with. And I think that's the key. I think so many people look at what other people are doing and try and replicate that. Like so many people look up to people like Zoe Foster Blake and go, okay, how am I going to become or how am I going to emulate what Zoe Foster Blake does? You need to scrap that and you need to think, okay, I'm inspired by these women who are doing cool things and creating a lot. What are my interests? What do I find that I discuss with my friends, my sisters, my cousins? That was something that was so huge for us. What do we discuss around dinner tables with our friends? Mm -hmm. And how am I going to bring that to life? Like what's the new spin? What's the fresh angle that I can give to this? Because if you just try and recreate or repurpose what's already out there, you're not going to reach anyone new. It Mm -hmm. already exists and you're already behind the eight ball. Like copying someone else or taking too much inspiration from someone else, you're always going to be that little bit behind. But you have something to say. Like you have something that's fresh in you, so you should say it. Well, I just think that people, um, particularly when it comes to podcasting, want to quickly jump on the bandwagon, right? They're like, I need to put my mic in front of me, I need to put my headphones in front of me, and I need to just talk. But I do think there should be something to be said for some kind of niche idea, like mm-hmm. finding that gap. Like in the same way that you said, there's no real sex-positive podcasts out there, also kind of no real sex-positive columns and people like you. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of gap and that kind of niche that I do feel like people are missing, that they end up sitting in front of microphones and having very general conversations that you can't quite place. Like you don't really know what their purpose is. Like what is the purpose of this and what gap are you going to fill? What is the reason that people are going to come to your podcast every single week rather than go to another one? And I think that's the thing that's missing in this really oversaturated market because I think people feel rushed. Yeah, it's got to have a point. Sometimes I listen to a podcast and I'm like, 
Why? Why am I listening to like what's what's the overriding message? Is the message mm. that you're not dumb for caring about pop culture content? Is it you're not weird for caring about sexual pleasure and wanting sexual pleasure and seeking that out in your own life. Mm-hmm. What is the point of your podcast? And as long as that is like a thread throughout the whole thing, then it'll be strong content and people will come to it. But you need to kind of have that mission statement in your head to be like, what do I want people to leave this feeling? Do I want them to feel empowered, educated, entertained? I'm going to try and get my words out better <laughs> next time. But you've Other got words. to have those things in your head, right? Wow, you guys are so amazing. Okay, um, <laughs> everything you say, I literally, I just love you guys. I wish I lived in Melbourne so I could have wine with oh, you guys. Move to Melbourne. Mm, I hate just it here. for us. Do you really? Hate I'm Melbourne. the only person in Australia that hates Melbourne. I literally come down here and I'm like, where are you staying? First of all, I've been wearing colour every day that I've been here. Everyone's like, like nah, it's really wear whatever you want. I mean, I'm in denim and black, but don't worry about me. I'm I was in wearing denim and white. Yeah, I was wearing a bright pink like um, like activewear set yesterday, and someone came to me. They were like. Oh, that's a nice colour. And I was like, okay. Like everyone's wearing like grey and like someone was wearing like a hoodie today. And I was like, what's going on in this place? Because <laughs> coming from Brisbane. But like, I mean, I'm fine. Everyone's like, but the food's so good, but I've been vomiting, so I can't even eat. So oh. true. You haven't got the beauty of it. No. That's fine. You can also, and the weather does kind of suck here. Like I'm not going to pretend Hang it on. doesn't. No, Sticking it does up for suck. Melbourne, we are sitting in our office right now with our window and it, it's Looks pretty beautiful nice. today. It's I think it's 30 degrees today and sunny. It is nice. But also my Fuck favorite you people and your are, Melbourne disdain. No, I'm <laughs> sorry. But also my favorite people are in Melbourne, you guys, but also like one of my best friends yeah. and other people that I love. So I will come down a lot, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> oh, I'll cop what it. A chore. I mean, ugh. And also Matt Agnew's here. So like oh, I've been showing him. I, I thought I saw him yesterday. I was walking around and there was this pale, tall man. And I was like, ah. And then <laughs> I was on the phone doing an interview and I was like, ah. And then I was like, sorry, just a uni student. Um, okay, we're almost at an hour. So um, I have, oh, oh, I have two questions for you guys. That's all right. We can okay. squeeze in too. Speaking of potties, um, what are some of your favourite podcasts except for your own and Love Etc., which people are obsessed with? I do those stories, big little oh, yeah. recaps, and I get so many responses. I got like four this morning being like, oh, my God, I never heard of this podcast. It's amazing. I love Zara Michelle. And I was like, random, you haven't heard of it. Um, <laughs> Thank you for the promo, Abby. That's right, just plugs. Um, <laughs> but um, I think your pod, Love Etc., is so, so good and it speaks Thank about you. such taboo topics and I love that. See, I'm very like brazen and like blunt. And I'm like, fuck it, do it. <laughs> but you guys speak about it in a really smart way. So it's nice for me to listen to you guys and be like, see, yeah. gaps, filling different gaps. gaps, all good. gaps, gaps. I'm like, not everyone's as unwell as me. So, like, and Zara and Michelle have successful relationships. Maybe I should listen to them for some things. Um, but what do you like listening to? Oh, we, I actually don't listen to podcasts nearly as much as I used to. I think I try really hard not to listen to many that are similar to ours mm. because I never want to cover the same content or subconsciously be influenced. You never mm. know what you take on board. I listen to the daily a couple of times a week, which is New York Times is kind of like recap from the news. Like they do a, a story a day and it's like always very well produced and interesting. And I of, often feel kind of behind on world news stories when mm. you spend your whole day doing other stuff. And I think that's really <laughs> on the Daily Mail sidebar of shame. Truly. <laughs> oh or I'm God. just like reading the dumbest shit on the internet. And then and you're no like, idea. fuck, I actually am interested in what's going on in the world, but I feel behind. And they do this really beautiful, they do it in a really beautiful way that doesn't make you feel stupid. Okay. Let me tell you all about oh, yeah. the podcast you need in your life oh, because so- I have recommended this on Shameless before and I'm going to re-recommend it in the next episode because I have never been affected or impacted so much by a single podcast. It's called Dying for Sex. It is out of the US. It is by Wondery. Have you listened? No, I actually was going to Abby, this morning. I ran out of time. Oh my, oh my God, please. Like after you finish this, don't click off this podcast yet. After you finish <laughs> this podcast, please, 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 please go download Dying for Sex. It is incredible. It is all about Molly and her best friend, Nikki. Molly has terminal breast cancer and is dying. And over six episodes, she talks about uh, an incident that happened to her as a child that affected her relationship with her and sexuality and sexual expression for the rest of her life. But when she got this terminal diagnosis, she left an unhappy marriage with her husband, who was very controlling. And set about on these sexual escapades and it's all about this wild sex that she has and how she reconnects with her body after the abuse she experienced as a kid and then how she grapples with death. It's a lot about life and death and connection and collaboration and creativity and it is such a weird podcast for me to gravitate so entirely towards because I am not typically one who loves hearing about fetishes and like the nitty gritty of messy sex 
but it is so beautifully interspersed with really meaningful, important content. And I swear to God, I have never cried and laughed and been enthralled by a podcast series so entirely. And if you do anything this year, please download that podcast because I just finished it last night and it is incredible. What a sell. Wow. Okay. I'm going to listen on the way to Mauritius. (laughs) Um, Amazing. Okay. My final, final question is what's next and what's the ultimate goal for you both? Because you both, I feel like they're just kicking goals so quickly, but you guys stop doing that weird, humble laugh, bitch. (laughs) I didn't do it that time. You guys are like, oh, stop it. Like you guys are fucking incredible. Thank you. And so young. So you have so you have so far to go. Like Mm. you, you kind of just like kicking goals, next thing, next thing, next thing. And now with the book, it's like, do you feel like, okay, what's next? <laughs> um, I think for me, I'll answer this one first. Sorry, I just jumped in as you right. opened your mouth. Um, I just want the book to connect with people. Mm-hmm. We've spent so long doing it. We've been writing it for over a year or almost a year, sorry. And I just want people to read it and feel seen and heard. And I don't need that to be in any other format than someone sitting down with a cup of tea and feeling like it speaks to them. I don't need a certain number of sales or anything like that. I just want women in their 20s to feel like our book speaks to them. Yeah, and I hope that manifests in them being like, I really fucking need to give this book to my friend. Like Mm -hmm. I really, and even if it's for the tiniest part of this book, I really want it to be a thing where someone reads it being like, all right, fuck, my friend Jenny needs to read this thing and I don't even care if they don't buy it, if they just give it to their friend. Like mm-hmm. if, if that's the thing that happens, that's really great. Sisterhood of the Travelling Book. Yeah, that's so fun. <laughs> wow, so um, great. We don't tend to plan that far in advance um, and not because we're like really cool and like chill but because. <laughs> Quite the opposite. <laughs> it's kind of impossible to. Like it's actually physically impossible to in this line of work to actually know. In August, I keep we keep forgetting this, like other really big things are happening to the oh podcast. Oh, my God, we have a massive thing coming this year. We can't announce it's, what it is yet but we're very excited We can August. tell you off air but that's the thing. I think we've been so fixated on the book and I think what happens in this line of work is really big things happen and you kind of don't let them sit with you. I don't think mm-hmm. you let yourself enjoy them. And then you kind of like, all right, that's something that's happening. Let's push that to the side. And we've mm. often forgot to even like tease that out and be like, there is actually something coming before the book that's pretty sizable when it comes to our workloads and it comes to our weeks and how our work is going to be structured. So there will just be a lot more of shameless, let me tell you that. Bigger um, things. Bigger yeah, else. there's a lot going on. So I think we can only really plan towards the end of the year when it comes to book, book tour and the August project. But beyond 2021 is like a blank slate for us right now, isn't it? Yeah, we, I think after the book, we just want to have a little bit of downtime. Uh, yeah, maybe lean out of work. Maybe go hang just, out with our friends. Just, a little bit of a breather, maybe. Yeah, maybe go like to Italy a in a year. I know. Next year, <laughs> oh, maybe next year you'll make God knows it. you won't be there in July. No, sorry. <laughs> I won't be. That's fine. Staying positive. Positive vibes. It's a lot. It's well, all a lot. It is a lot. It's all a lot. Oh my God, guys, full circle. Maybe I'm thinking of when The Bachelor is airing, I'm going to do little recap episodes extra <gasps> a week. Maybe you guys Amazing. come on one of those apps. I'll come into Melbourne and we'll do one of the episodes. Fine, if we have to. Back to your roots. Flex our original skills, <laughs> our Bachelor recap skills. You are so welcome. Well, thank you for coming on. I obviously love you guys a lot. I admire you a lot. I think you're fantastic. You're changing, I think, the way women see themselves and what they can do with their career careers and how important our voices are. So thank you a lot for coming on. Love you. Thank you for oh, having Thank us. you. And you're doing much the same with a lot of work that you're doing. So we're so stoked We're to be big here. fans. Thanks, We girls. applaud you all the way from shitty Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> shitty, shitty Melbourne. Amazing.